the home of Hamilton sports. And this is Taddy and Marsh on TSN 1150 Hamilton. Yes, welcome to Taddy and Marsh for a Tuesday. Everybody in the right spot for a change. TSN 1150 Hamilton, TSN 1150.ca, the TSN Go app and the Twitter account. Oddly enough, at Taddy and Marsh, coming up on the broadcast, bottom of the hour, Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator at Scratching Post is the Twitter account at 4 o'clock. Tiger defensive back Craig Butler will stop by uh, talking about, of course, the Tiger Cats and the Vanier Cup. Some uh, announcements made today, so we'll explore that at five fifteen. Tiger Cat linebacker Simone Lawrence will stop by at five thirty. Our Maple Leaf reporter Kristen Shilton will be with us, and at six, TSN Raptors reporter Josh Lewenberg. All kinds of stuff going on, of course. World Cup action tonight, and this is the nice sort of collide on the sports schedule where everything's going on. Welcome home, Jim. Thank you. I missed it. I, do, I feel so comfortable here. I know it's nice. Yeah. On the way nice. home last night, I went, "Whoa, boy, am I thankful I have to, don't have to do that drive all the time." I cannot believe you used to do that all the time. I can't either. Uh, you know, when I was driving in yesterday in the rain, like we said on the air yesterday, yep. rain is like kryptonite because everybody goes, "Oh, this might be ice." No, 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 no. It's September. It's not ice. Jamie uh, also had a good line when he was talking about rain here in Ontario with people on the roads a couple of days ago. He said. He's from Alberta. In Alberta, there's just ditches on both sides of the roads. And he's like, here, there's guardrails. So the worst thing that can happen is, you know, you get you know, a fender bender and you roll off to the side of the road and whatnot, and the, the road's a little wet. But he was like, here, people act like there's ditches everywhere, oh, and they don't want to slide into it, them. It's, it's worse in a snowstorm. People actually drive more aggressively than, than when it rains. Yeah, because people like to have fun in the snow. But yeah, in the rain, slide. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just wicked. It took me like uh, over 90 minutes to get in there yesterday. Did it really? Yeah, it took me an hour to get home. Yeah. Uh, let me introduce the poll question for you today because yes. I think it's something that's going to run throughout the entire show uh, and a lot of people are going to want to have just their say on it. So uh, today at TSN 1150, posted up at the top of our Twitter account, the question for you is, what outcome would you most like to see from Saturday's series of incidents in Regina. And the reason that I say most, the way that I phrase this poll question today like this, is that I understand there are people who will say uh, all of the above. Uh, yes, there needs to be discipline. There needs to be an apology. There needs. To, I, I want to know what you want most out of this. If there was one thing that would make you feel rewarded or give you closure on what happened in Regina, and of course I'm talking about the series of incidents being Mike Filer turning the ball up, taking the... Uh, procedure penalty for moving the football forward, which we'll get into in a second. And then Kent Austin making contact with an official and subsequently getting fire, uh, getting 15-yard penalty. Uh, those are the two main things that I'm talking about here. So the options for you on this poll question, what would you most like to see come out of this as an outcome? First option, nothing. We're done here. Let's Let's move on. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make sense to do anything else. Austin public apology is the second one. I've never been a big fan of the public apology. It doesn't do anything for me, but there are some people out there who say, I just want to see him stand in front of a microphone and apologize. And it's like, all he has to do is apologize to the ref that he accidentally hit because there was no actual intent there. Uh, The other options I have for you, the CFL should explain the filer call about the procedure moving of the ball. And the last option, supplementary discipline that Kent Austin should be suspended or fine. Those are your four options. If you did not catch all of them or you can't make up your mind, just go to at TSN 1150 on Twitter. They're up there at the top of our Twitter account for you to be able to see. Now, I, I don't want to be a fly in the ointment because yep. we did talk about those four things. I think what really has to happen is the league has to make some sort of a statement on just reviewing the whole thing from yeah. the call 
to the contact with the official. The league just has to tell us where they are in this because I, I think that has to be clarified going forward. And, and the problem with situations like this is that people will view it as one versus one, a power struggle. Either you're for the team or you're for the league or you're against the team or you're against the league. That's not what this is. It's they're equal part guilty. Ken Austin knows he messed up. He did not mean to hit that official. He apologized to that official. He said so today in the scrum. But the league at the same time has not made a decision on Kent Austin yet because they are reviewing it and also because they're dealing with other things going into this weekend. So the CFL needs to be more expedient at dealing with these things. They yeah. also need to explain the calls and let us know exactly what happened in the calls. But Kent Austin also needs to realize that he made a mistake for the second time in two years that people are now dealing with. And it's you know it's not a cloud hanging around the team, anything like that, but it's just... Both sides were wrong. Both sides have ways to be able to fix it. What will they do? And we'd like to know what you would like to see. So that's our poll question for you today. Yeah, I'm all for clarity. Just because in case there's another incident and then somebody trots out these two previous offenses for Mr. Austin that, that I don't want them held against him. If they're, if they're clear, if he's cleared on all these things, then it's not like there's a file there. It's gone. He was cleared. There's, there's no, it doesn't carry over. That's what I want out of this. I was down at practice today and the interesting part that I, you know, if you want to say my takeaway from Coach Austin Scrum, uh, which again, this is all TMZ fringe stuff, right? It's it's all on the outside. It's not football. It's not the East Division. It's not, and it, that's why I think people find this so interesting and entertaining because it's not just uh, you guys didn't run the ball all that well. Uh, your thoughts, yeah, because it's it's entertainment value. But um, he did say in his Scrum that he has spoken to the official for which he hit his hand and that he has apologized to said official and that official threw his flag rightfully so because it was accidental conduct. And even in the moment he says he knew it was accidental conduct and coach Austin said, if it was not accidental, if I was trying to slug the guy, he said, it wouldn't have been that. Yeah. First of all, it wouldn't have been a slap on the hand and it also would have been 25 yards in an an ejection from the game. Coach Austin said this. Yeah. He said, yeah, it's, he knew that I just accidentally made contact with him because he gave me a 15 yard penalty in the CFL rule book. I've seen people on various outlets throwing around. It is set in stone. If you make contact in any way whatsoever, you need to be ejected from that game. But Think about it this way. When, you know, there's get-back coaches in the NCAA. If you ever watch the sidelines, it's one of my favorite parts of NCAA football. Coordinators and coaches and players are so crazy that they're always six inches from the edge of the edge of the field. And there's guys who are typically the strength and conditioning coaches literally just grabbing their belts and pulling them back. Right. right? And so they do that because it is a 15-yard unsportsmanlike or whatever penalty. If an official is sprinting down the white paint on the sideline and he runs into a coach, a player, otherwise, because then it could be deemed as tripping. or They just they don't want it to be black and white, so they say you can't be on that part of the field. If, but if they are on the field or if they do make contact, what do they give them? 15-yard penalty. It's on sportsmanlike conduct or it's... Well, there was a, that's the key point. There yeah. was a penalty assessed on the, on the incident. He said, I've already been penalized yeah. i'm not worried about supplementary discipline because i've already served a 15-yard penalty at the end of the game which his argument was that's as much as i need to be penalized and he also and this is the interesting thing to me because i've seen a couple of articles of people saying you know it's on the league to and i'm not against this i mean i'm not convinced that he shouldn't be suspended for a game or fined whatever the max fine i believe is 25 grand that would seem like an extreme case though for a guy who loves football, coaches very hard, and was swinging to get the guy's attention. He wasn't trying to punch him. Like, oh, no, but, nothing but, there. But having said that, uh, you know, your intent is, and, and you'd need the league to clarify this, I mean, how much does your intent or what you wanted to do 
um, you know, sort of play off what you actually did. In some cases, it's relevant. In some cases, it's not. And again, I'm not. I'm not out to get anybody fined or suspended. That's not my role here. But, but, but I think that I, I want the league to give us a ruling, give us a statement on this, so we know going forward. Because yeah. you know, obviously, we saw a player bump into a coach earlier this year. And 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 what all leagues struggle with is the video might look different than what actually happened. Or certainly, you don't take into consideration the intent because you can't know that. So I just want the league to say. This is either something we're going to deal with or we're okay with it. Yeah. And once you say you're okay with it, then good. It goes in with a style of bump and, and it doesn't exist because you said you were okay with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and did, he, did he get fined for that, the style uh, yeah, of bump? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, okay. So yeah, He took a fine, he apologized, and everybody moved on, and he went, yeah, sorry, I shouldn't have. But that was, to me, the style of bump is far more egregious than this. Am well, I, yeah, but this is a different category. I mean, you can't strike an okay. official. Okay, but striking and trying to prove a point, are they one and the same or are they incredibly different? It's an unfortunate set of circumstances preceded okay, by... Okay, Lou Lamarillo. No, but it is. It is unfortunate <laughs> because it's preceded by a call where yeah. even if you were a Riders fan, you would say, what? Yeah. Really? Oh, great. But but you would say, what? I don't think there was anybody watching that game that accepted the call on face value. And if you were watching it, then you heard the riders players or player you know calling for the the call to be made and and that's troublesome to me uh the thing that i am i'm struggling with the most in this is people that you know same thing as Duran Carter's situation you say ah, chop him off at the head give him a three gamer i don't want to see that guy on the field people are saying coach austin deserves the 25 grand fine and a two game suspension and anything less is egregious and doesn't set a standard for the canadian football league moving forward and they look at previous precedent of the bump against Dave Style last year, uh, which, by the way, I, I know Dave. A lot of people in the media know Dave very well. He thought it was hilarious. So, uh, but it's well, it's it's one of those <laughs> self righteous campaigns, yeah. right? When you set these standards and you say, "Well, we have to continue to set these standards, otherwise, there's going to be something wrong, and people won't care moving forward about how we deal with situations like this." I don't know if this is necessarily precedent setting because this is completely accidental content that's what i keep coming back to it was accidental and i know sometimes coaches say that like rick campbell oh i didn't mean to walk three yards forward just as deron carter was stomping past me or deron carter oh i didn't mean to bump that coach i didn't even see him i was all fired up for my touchdown oh and i might have had a concussion i don't know people lie about that stuff all the time there's no way that austin meant to hit that guy and you could tell too, and this is what I always take away from it. I saw it happen in person with my own eyes from way up high in the booth in Regina. But the second that I saw it, I basically cut off Coach Sound and went, well, and we're going to get a 15-yarder here, Coach, because I think Coach Austin might have just made contact with an official. And you watch it in the replay when he slaps down, which, by the way, weird thing to do in the first place if you're well, Austin. No, yeah, it's like you're waving and you just slip into the path of the it, ref. But it's like an expression. Yeah. All Italians understand this. <laughs> hey! Yeah, it's like <laughs> no word comes out unless the hand moves. Yeah. So, and, I mean, that's – and he's not Italian, but but it's a gesture, right? You're, he, you're, you're releasing frustration. He tried to get the official's attention twice – Vo- verbally yes he did vocally right you could see hey, that yeah what is that yeah what is that and he walked down the bench that, by the way that's marsh when he sees me earlier in the day <laughs> yeah. hey what is that <laughs> you walk in with a timmy's muffin today <laughs> what is that <laughs> but yeah so he's he's again he's just trying to get the officials attention and prove a point it's it's like when a and i keep coming back to basketball because that was my original background in sports before i got into football the number of times where i have had a basketball coach not happy with a blocker charge call. Like I had, I had an amazing high school basketball coach named Seuss James, and when you know he he stressed to us, take charges, 
Take as many charges as you can. I want you guys to take there and just get blasted in the chest, and I will love you for it because you are standing in for the team, like every basketball coach does. And we played a game in a tournament. I want to say it was somewhere in the western part of the province, maybe London, and we were just getting rocked time after time after time. But block, block, block. And eventually, when the official was going past after about the third or fourth time where we took a blatant charge and he called it a block, my coach just clapped in the official's ear as he walked past. Like, guy's on his way to the scorer's yeah. table just, hey, yeah. wake up, wake yeah. up. Wait. And, and so that's that's not contact with an official, but it's damn, well, it's well, damn it's, close. It's emotional contact. Yeah, and it's damn close, too. Like, if he claps and his yeah. hand taps the official as he's clapping, do they go, oh, you you touched me, and then double technical, you're gone. I, I like that you brought up basketball because that's, that's the best sales pitch for a coach and a referee. Yep. It doesn't get any better than that. And I used to always think that Dwayne Casey just couldn't sell it because he, he ran into so many calls. And then you'd see uh, somebody on the other bench, a guy who used to coach, who would just look at the official and get his call. And that was always a drawback for the Raptors for me. But basketball mm. is is the ultimate. My line would be, hey, ref, you're missing a good game. Yeah. No, it's true. And also, interesting here, Butch Carter, if you're listening, because I know I've talked to you not too long ago and you usually listen to the show, which we appreciate. Uh Call in and give your take on this whole Austin thing and the demonstrative ability to interact with an official because when I, and again, he's related to Deron Carter who had his own say on Twitter today about exactly what happened with Coach Austin. So Deron Carter tweeted out today, in my case against the CFL about pushing, in quotation marks, I was fined more than a coach that makes way more than me and I missed a game. PSA for the CFL, you fine and suspend players at will, but when a coach continues to show and he puts in quotation marks, malicious intent, you probably wait and hope it blows over. However, what's missing from that whole dissertation is if he went through the same process that was awarded to you, Deron Carter, we would be dealing with this next year. That's exactly what I said on Twitter. I said <laughs> Because he said, uh, it's nice that you'll probably wait and let this or hope that this blows over. Because I was thinking, Deron, you know a lot about letting things wait and hope that they blow over. By the time that you sat out a game, nobody remembered what it was for. And nobody cared that you were gone that one game. It was just like, yeah, I guess he's not here. The only thing that got right for me in that whole equation was the you know the game was against Ottawa that yep. he had to sit out. Yeah, so it, it did actually meant something. It actually worked out yeah. that way. Why am I looking at those shoes over there? What are we going to do with those? Uh, you're looking at those shoes because those are size eleven Chuck Taylors that are made by Woody's Customs, I believe, or Woods Custom Shoes. They say on the side, uh, on the tongue they say Eat 'em Raw. On the outside they have Oski Wee Wee pattern in black and gold, and on the inside they have the Tiger Cats logo. What we're going to do throughout the rest of this week, I know we had a lot of people asking us on Twitter yesterday when I sent out the picture. Size eleven, eh? Yeah, hmm. it's not. Uh, I'm, I'm a twelve. Oh, wow. they may fit me. Oh, really? Ten and a half or eleven. Depends. Maybe we'll get a picture of you in them. Oh, I don't think anybody would want them after that. <laughs> I'll just walk out with them. What we're going to do for this is we're going to have a word of the day every day at 6 p.m. Let's set, let's set a time on this. Word of the day. Word of the day at 6 p.m. And we're going to do three words over the next three days. And on Friday, as we lead up to Tiger Cats game day against the Stampeders, you will have to call in at 6 p.m. and tell us, all three of the words that we have made. That's so, a lot of work. So 6 p.m. Hey, they're nice shoes. I'm not just giving these things away. Come so on. Is the first word today yes? I haven't I haven't come up with a word yet. Tomorrow could be guy. <laughs> We're going to come up. Can it be yes, guy, guy? Uh, it would could that, be. Would that violate the rules? Or it could be guy, guy, guy. <laughs> could be the same word each day. Uh, so we're going to come up with a word of the day at 6 p.m. today. Make sure to be right here on TSN 1150 and, uh, for the next couple of days. Because if you know all three words and you call in, 
then you get yourself a pair of size 11 Ticats Chuck Taylors. Bottom of the hour, Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator. Right now, a traffic update. Here's Rob Westgate. Just off the phone with Hamilton Police. They're telling us they're dealing with a collision investigation. Three cars involved, Burlington and Wilford. You'll find that between Wentworth and Victoria, so heads up there. Meanwhile, eastbound Nikola Tesla Boulevard, that is closed from Ottawa to Woodward for bridge maintenance until Friday evening. And finally, a quick check on the major routes, the QEW, the 403, the Link, the Red Hill. For the most part, they're looking trouble-free right now. There's only one Viagra. If it doesn't say Pfizer on the pill, it's not Viagra. Choose the true blue and get the Viagra you know at a great price. I'm Rob Westgate. Your only traffic watch continues. Time now for a Sports Center update. Here is Louis B. Thank you, Jim. Canada will face off against Team Europe tonight to open the best of three final for the World's Cup of Hockey. It'll be the second time these two teams face off in the tournament. Canada won 4-1 in the final preliminary game for both teams. Canadian forward Steven Stamkos says his team is well aware of the favorite label, but won't assume victory against Europe. Well, we've been dealing with that since this tournament started with the expectation that the we're supposed to win, and, and the pressure of playing in front of our fans, and we're supposed to win. Everyone's been talking about that. No one's really talking about that in the room. It's just go out there and win the next game that we play. Game two goes Thursday, and a third game, if necessary, would go on Saturday night. Stick with hockey. Renee Fassel says he feels better about the chances of having NHL players compete at the 2018 Olympics than he did earlier this year. The IIHF president told the Associated Press today that he believes the odds are 50-50. The best hockey players in the world will be in South Korea in two years. In May, Fassel said there was a 60% chance that the NHL and NHLPA would pass on a sixth straight Olympics. The Toronto Blue Jays open their final home series of the season tonight against Baltimore Orioles. The Blue Jays enter tonight's contest one game up on the Orioles for the first wildcard position and three games up on Detroit. Aaron Sanchez gets the ball for the Jays while Baltimore goes with Kevin Gossman. Elsewhere, the Boston Red Sox could clinch the AL East title with a win over the Yankees in New York or a Toronto loss. And the Toronto Raptors tip off training camp today in Vancouver. The Raptors will be playing their first exhibition game against the Golden State Warriors in Vancouver on Saturday before facing Denver in Calgary two days later. You're listening to the home of the Raptors when they eventually get started and the home of the Maple Leafs. This is TSN 1150 Hamilton. You're listening to Taddy and Marsh on TSN 1150 or streaming online at tsn1150.ca. You should head to tsn1150.ca. Tell us your favorite Ticats memory. You could win the Ultimate Fan Experience, a pair of Champions Club tickets for the October 14th game against Ottawa, VIP sideline access during the warm-ups, and an overnight stay at the Sheridan Hamilton Hotel. The Ultimate Fan Experience is brought to you by the Hamilton Tiger Cats and TSN 1150. And so there's all that stuff that we talked about from Sunday, the tragic um, departures, if you will, of uh, two really young athletes and, of course, an icon in Arnold Palmer. Um, Last night, obviously, the uh, Marlins paid tribute with a victory, gut-wrenching, to say the least. It really reminded me of Thurman Munson's passing in a plane crash in the uh, mid-'70s and and how the Yankees dealt with that. And, boy, it was just sad, wasn't it? I last night saw the best and the worst of baseball, in my opinion. And I know some people like rock'em sock'em baseball between the Jays and the Yankees, where you're just being an idiot. That was and, silly. Yeah, it's and it, every year it happens once or twice with the Blue Jays because they're a team that likes to talk a lot and they like to flex their chest and all that, and they've earned the right to do so. But that to me was the 
the worst of baseball where I'm watching guys in the locker room do their scrums afterwards and say, well, they're going to puff their chest, we're going to puff ours out, and that's what you're going to get thrown at, and we're going to... And I was like, I could care less about this. Like, it made me never want to go to a baseball game again. And then I went through social media and found all the clips of D. Gordon and the Miami Marlins and Don Mattingly and all of those things. Like, Jim, we're... It feels like a billion miles from Miami and that situation and that team, but... It got dusty fast last well, night watching that clip. Like it's and the fact that he took this is what gets me. I, I see the clip on Twitter last night, so I click on it and I watch it, and I'm taken aback by just the pure emotion in the dugout. Then you realize it was D. Gordon who was such a close friend to Jose Fernandez. Then you realize that he took his first swing from the right side of the batter's box, despite the fact that he's the lefty. Then you realize it's the first at bat for that Marlins team since this has all happened. And those things all put together, it, it was unbelievable. Well, it's so sudden, you know. There's a, a vibrant, um, you know, arguably one of the best, or if not the best, young pitching prospect in Major League Baseball, who's yeah. so alive and then so gone really fast. Um, you know, it's just tragic to say the least. And and uh, I don't know what else to say about it. It's just it leaves you speechless, and you can understand the void that's going to go on for a long time with with that yeah. franchise. It's and just awful. My whole thing with this too is. When somebody is taken away so quickly, and it's not just in sports, but in life, you immediately there's the grieving, and then you start to kind of figure out what the new reality is. And I'm sure the Miami Marlins are going through that unfortunate reality right now. But they did it in such a public way. Like it's usually when teams go through these tragic events, they, and I'm not saying, oh, it's it's good Jose Fernandez died because the Marlins figured it out. It's not at all what I'm saying. But teams rally around emotional moments together like it's very difficult i think in modern sports to get teams to truly play for each other i have never seen a team play for each other as much as the marlins did last night and i didn't even really watch the game but i saw enough clips of that and the first one that comes to mind is giancarlo stanton standing at the middle on the mound pregame and just saying like unbelievably heartfelt words he didn't care if there were microphones on or cameras or if he was on espn or not he said guys if you have trouble tonight, hold somebody's hand. Yeah. If you're having a difficulty, lean on somebody's shoulder. Talk to each other. Nobody sit there silent. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we'll find a way, and we'll do it together. Okay, let's go. Let's do it for Jose. And when he says all those things, I'm like, I've played on teams where I've loved every guy in that locker room. Right, 2011 at McMaster, Venue Cup Champs, all that. We traveled the country together. We loved each other. It was fantastic. But I've never had a moment like that for any team where you say, if you are having trouble, just lean on somebody. That's a great thing to say, and it's the right thing to say. And, and, and I don't want to be a downer, but you know what he said yesterday gets you through yesterday. Yes, it starts all over the yeah. next morning and keeps starting over until you eventually, in some way, shape, or form, find a way to inch forward. And that's that's the grieving process. And I don't want to put you on the spot or, or Louie. Yeah. yeah. Um, have you had? And, and, and I go back to this because I had a, a guidance counselor in high school who stood in our room and said. You know, there's 30 people in this classroom, and by this age, one or two won't be here. Now, yep. it didn't apply to that group of 30 people I was in, but certainly at college, there were two guys that I went to school with that didn't get out of college. They, they were in accidents um, and didn't get through, and, and it's you know it, it leaves a mark with you. You do find a way to inch forward, but you don't forget. Mm-hmm. Um, the one guy was in my year, and, and I think of him all the time, and that was uh, like 40 years ago. You just, it doesn't yeah. leave you. Um, the one that I have had like that, that was, I, I mean, as close to what you're talking about as I've had was a uh, 16-year-old friend of mine who was my age at the time in 2008, Taylor Allen, 
who is a women's basketball player for LaSalle High School and one of, and again, listen, Kingston, Ontario, not exactly the home bed for NBA players or WNBA players, but she was one of the best basketball players in the city. And the way that the youth basketball programs work, similar to Hamilton with the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Ancaster Magic in the OBA, is you work your way up. From the time that you're in grade four, you play every year, grade four, five, six, seven. So we went, you know, grade four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. We get to grade 12 or so. And uh, Taylor was at a house party, wasn't drinking, didn't have anything in her system that she shouldn't have. I mean, this wasn't a drug thing, anything else. And she had a heart arrhythmia that nobody knew about. Hmm. She was sitting on the edge of a hot tub, collapsed and was dead. Wow. In the middle. And imagine a high school house party, right? Like there's 10 kids sitting around in the country outside of Kingston, listening to music, having pops and chip chips. And all of a sudden she collapses and she was gone And that. I mean, I had seen her two weeks earlier at a basketball tournament. And so for that to be the immediacy of you flip a switch and somebody that you know that was so full of life was completely gone, that shook a lot of people. And I, w- I remember going to her funeral, which was at LaSalle High School in Kingston. I took the night off for my OVFL practice that night. And, you know, I, I was there for a warm up in the first couple of drills. Then I threw a suit on, left, went down to that place. And it was the entire city of youth sports and youth sport organizations were there just trying to figure out how somebody that was so genuine could possibly not make it past their 16th birthday. So yeah, those, those moments of direct loss, like you're talking about with, you know, Oh, Giancarlo Stanton gets you through that day. There were people at that funeral who got everybody through that day and gave you a chuckle and made you remember. And then the next day comes and you're like, it's over. It's the person's not here. Starts all over again the next day. Goes yeah. on for at least yeah. at least a year, which is the same thing. And, and again, I talked to Mike Filer today after practice, and you know we were talking about his procedure penalty and, and Ken Austin's indiscretions and all of that. And he said, "Yeah, we just need to get a win against these guys." And he said, "They're going through some crazy stuff, though. I can feel for that." And it made me realize, like, I, I understand that Milan Hicks did not make the front page of every newspaper in the United States the way Jose Fernandez did or Arnold, Arnold Palmer did, but that localizes this week of just unbelievable storytelling and tragic loss because that story of Milan Hicks and those guys who knew him incredibly well are coming to Hamilton on Saturday. Yeah, we will get our own sort of version of that story. There's no question about that. This is TSN 1150 Hamilton, and you're listening to Taddy and Marsh on the home for Hamilton sports. Taddy and Marsh, TSN 1150 Hamilton, TSN1150.ca, and on the TSN Go app. Visit TSN1150.ca, enter the kick-to-win contest with Zarkies. Whenever the Tiger Cats score a field goal, TSN 1150 will award one lucky winner a deluxe slab pizza courtesy Zarkies Fine Food. Be listening for your chance to hear your name called out during Saturday's game against the Calgary Stampeders. Let's bring in Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator. At Scratching Post is the Twitter account. Drew, welcome. How are you today? I'm good. How you doing, Jim? Good, good, thanks. Um, I guess we should deal with the Austin stuff first, the contact with the official. Where are you on all this? Well, it'll be very interesting to see what the league does. Um, you know, I think that they've they've got to decide uh, whether or not this is part of uh, a larger pattern, given what happened last year with Dave Stella, and whether the contact um, that Austin had with the, the official on Saturday is enough to warrant some kind of supplementary discipline and what that discipline is going to be at the most extreme. It's a suspension. Um, I would expect he's going to face at least some kind of, of fine. When you look at this incident against the style of bump last year, is this just egregiously different because it's an official? 
Uh, I think the fact that it's an official does change the dynamic somewhat, Marshall. I mean, I, you know this as well as anyone. Making contact with an official in any sporting event, and it really doesn't matter if we're talking hockey or baseball or football, that is one of the taboos, right? That is one of the things that you just cannot do. And so whether it was intentional or not or whether he meant to do it or not, and I don't think he meant to, um, I'm not sure that that matters, right? If you make contact with an official, there are consequences. Yeah, I, I think you know. There's there's really no way around that, is yeah. there? That's that's what it is. Yes, and so now we're talking about you know we're talking about what the degree of punishment is going to be, right? Whether or not, I mean the the league may decide that what was assessed in the game, um, you, you know, a, a, a ten yard penalty uh, is enough. They may decide that a fine is warranted. They may decide a suspension is warranted. Uh, it it you know they're. It, it's been very difficult. I will say this. It's been very difficult to predict what the league is going to do uh, on any given decision. That, that, you know, there doesn't, maybe there isn't a big enough sample size, but I, I really, it's very difficult to predict how the league is going to deal with this particular situation. Uh, in terms of the walking wounded, who's salvageable for Saturday? Uh, Terrence Tolliver, I think certainly, uh, looks like he'll be ready to go, um, for, for Saturday. Um, other than that, um, doesn't sound like Rico Murray's close. Doesn't sound like Luke Tasker is, is, is going to be ready. Um, and, and now, you know, Owens, uh, Steven Schuerman, uh, have all been placed on the sixth game. So, you know, we should probably stop talking about those guys as, is even being imminent. So, uh, Dykowski practiced today, but, uh, you know, whether he'll be ready or not, I don't think there's any hurry to rush him back. I want to make sure he's hundred percent. So, um, so yeah, I think we're probably talking about Tolliver and that's about it. The Milan Hicks story, obviously I was just saying to Jim before we brought you on here, Drew, in the States, you know, the front page of every paper is Jose Fernandez and Arnold Palmer and rightfully so, but the localization of that crazy tragic sunday is coming to hamilton um this saturday and and the grief that that calgary team seems to be going through from all the video clips that i've seen i'm sure you have as well what effect if any do you think that has on this saturday um i you know know, i think i think teams can take uh inspiration for something like that going into a game um i think that they'll 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 want to honor him in, in some way, and they'll feel that the best way to do that is by winning football games. But can it have a concrete impact on, on the game? I, you know, how far those things, you know, carry in any kind of real sense is, is pretty tough to determine. Uh, obviously, uh, there might be some concern about, you know, them not necessarily being uh, as focused on um, football this week, and that would certainly be perfectly understandable, given what they're facing. But Given that that's a veteran Calgary team, uh, given how well they're coached, um, I wouldn't expect it to have a, a, a negative impact on, on how they play Saturday at all. Yeah, I guess there's, there's really no way to know. We just have to watch it happen. Um, they're going to do sort of the reverse of the Marlins in that they're going to go through their process and then play a game, and the Marlins played and would then go through their process. So, I, And I don't know what any of that means. It's just something that you, you witness and, and report on, right? Yeah, I mean, I think it's... The other thing is, too, is that a team is made up of individuals, and each individual processes their grief differently, yep. right? So to say, well, this whole team is going to respond in this particular way, uh, you know, on any given team, a player will be closer to some other players, you know what I mean? Like, it's not 
he doesn't have the same relationship with every single person on the team. So some people are affected far more dramatically than others. And so that's part of the equation as well, right? So I think to say, well, how will the team be affected is, is too general. Will there be players who are affected by this? Of course. Uh, will some of them be more affected than others? Absolutely. What does that mean for the, for the context of the game? Again, I, that's really hard to determine because, you know, without knowing the specific nature of the relationships and which guys are going to play and which guys aren't, I mean, it's just there's too many variables, right? I, I, will it have an impact on some guys? No question. Yeah, yeah, no, that's so true. I also, Zach did his scrum today, and I wasn't able to kind of poke my head, and I know that you were right there. Um, if they're going to get a win against Calgary, which would be massive for them moving forward in the standings, Zach's going to probably have to have one of those great games based on what we saw from Calgary earlier in the season when we were out there. Where do you kind of deem his head to be at at this point in the season? Well, I, I think he's fine. The concern I might have about Zach, to be honest, is that you know when when with all the injuries that they're facing and the fact that they don't have some of their key weapons in in Tasker and Owens, the, the, the concern I would have about Zach is his urge to do too much, right, and, mm. and to take. Uh, to throw the ball down the field in situations where it's not necessary to do that, um, to sort of press a little bit, right? I think he's one of those guys who feels uh, the responsibility of success in that when things are going wrong or when things are down, he feels that he can, you know, raise his game to sort of carry everybody with him. And um, I, I understand that instinct. I think that instinct is noble and admirable, and I think in certain situations it's absolutely possible. But I also think there is a consequence to that, and and that's that Zach will make decisions and, and, and do things in certain situations that he shouldn't, that he'll be too aggressive and try and do too much, and that leads to mistakes. I wondered very much about that first interception on the first play from scrimmage going to John Childs down the sideline. That seemed to be to me in that Saskatchewan game to be Kaleos trying to make a big statement right off the hop. And yeah. was there an easier seven yard pass just to get things going and get the momentum moving and get everybody comfortable? Was that there uh, instead? I'm, you know, you, you never want to second guess the decisions that, that a quarterback makes. And I'm not second guessing Zach's decision making at all. I'm just saying that, that he's a guy I think that could in certain situations try and do too much and inadvertently, Football Drew, when I was calling that play, I'm like, okay, the offense comes out. Here's Zach. Here's his win-loss record career against the Riders and interception. And I'm kind of talking myself through it with Coach Sal. And I'm like, well, you know, they're trying to take a shot. It's a vulnerable secondary. And then I went, oh, man, that was into the wind, too. And that was yeah. when the wind was whipping in that first quarter. Yeah, exactly. I, that did not – that you know, again, I, it's unexpected. And, and look, if Claros completes that pass, Marshall – and it's a huge game to start. A huge game to start the game. We're talking about what a genius call that was. Oh, yeah. a great throw by Caleros, and <laughs> you know what I mean. And so, yeah. I, I think it's wrong to second guess individual decisions because any individual decision is measured almost exclusively on the outcome, and the outcome is not always determined by the decision. Right. So, what you have to look at, I think, is the larger picture. What does that decision mean in the context of, and what do other decisions mean, and what pattern does it form? And I think if we look at the last few games, what we see from Caleros is maybe more aggressiveness, more recklessness uh, than usual, right? A, a, a variance from his normal, methodical, precision passing game that has been so effective 
you know, when the Tuckhead offense is rolling. Their modus operandi was they could put 12, 13, 15 plays on you and roll down the field seven yards at a time because Kaleos can complete 75, 80% of his passes, and there aren't many guys in this league that can do that. And they seem to have gotten away from that a little bit. Now, when you're missing someone like Luke Tasker, who catches everything thrown in his direction, that can affect that philosophy a little bit. But at the same time, I think they are, to a certain extent, getting away from what's made them successful. You know, I couldn't listen to that, uh, Drew, without going back to our conversation about complementary football and how it hasn't happened this year. And, and there's a whole bunch of different reasons. And, and I think that the Coach Austin would, would tell you this, and I think we might agree that Every week it's a different reason to get to the same spot, and I don't disagree with that. But then when you're left with that opening interception, it's it's like, well, we had that before Zach came back, and there's there's some elements that just won't go away in this team, aren't there? Well, that's right. I mean, I think that, that you know, this is not the, – the, the, I, I think it's easy to compare this team to last year, right, when they when they were really rolling and they were 8-3, and three and – and you know that was what that was peak tie cats, right? That was really when you that, when all the pieces seemed to be perfectly aligned. And I think there was this anticipation that that team was going to emerge again when Kaleos returned. Well, he wasn't the only piece missing, right? I mean, there were other guys, and there were other things missing from that dominant team that aren't there anymore. So. And, and that complementary football, that the ability to take advantage of turnovers, to generate turnovers, uh, to, to put teams on their heels quickly, all those things seem to be missing. And I think that the identity of this team is still undetermined, right? I don't think we know exactly who they are. What is going to be the defining factor of, of this team? It, it just hasn't emerged yet. And injuries have played a part in that. And the timing of Zach's return has played a part of that. But, you know, we're getting late, right? We're yeah. getting late in the season. And at some point, an identity has to emerge, I think, for this team to be successful. Last year, you know, they, would, they, be, they went from being the juggernaut to the scrappy underdog, right? And then used that identity to carry them forward. What's it going to be on this team? I just don't think we know. And, and that's a little disconcerting with, with five games left to go. Agreed. Drew, thanks for stopping by. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. Good to talk to you. Drew Edwards from the Hamilton Spectator at Scratching Post as a Twitter account. And I guess the ultimate question that comes out of that is when will the identity of this team emerge? When will we know what we have? And it could well be in the last game. Or the the second last game. No, I mean of of their season, whenever that may be. Oh, true. I mean, it may may happen in the playoffs, which which I wouldn't argue against. That, That could be a good thing. At some point, you know who you are, though. Right, like I'm all for them finding themselves down the stretch, but I do believe at some point you are what you have become. You define yourself in a certain way. Last year, like Drew was just talking about, they were until Zach got hurt. Their identity, their what they were was spread you out and just shred you, and, and throw for touchdowns and yards and completion percentage. And this year, it's just not the same because they're trying to do that same method. I mean, Michael Ford ran the ball. I want to say three, four, five times maybe in that game. I got the stats in front of me here. Michael Ford had three carries for 11 yards. They have no interest whatsoever in running the football, so you have to be passing the ball. And they are, but they're doing it with a banged-up receiving course. And that's why I think they're running into the issues they are. It's like you're trying to put a square peg into a round hole at this point with this offense. Well, it has to stabilize, and and that would be like having everybody healthy and ready to go. Jim Taddy and Marshall Ferguson. This is Taddy and Marsh on the home for Hamilton Sports. TSN 1150 Hamilton. Might as well go for a 
Patty and Marsh, TSN 1150 Hamilton, TSN 1150.ca, and the TSN Go app. You know, we've partnered with local Hamilton McDonald's locations to bring you TSN 1150 Game Crashers. So we're heading out to sports arenas, diamonds, and fields around the city, surprising dedicated parents and fans with fresh McCafe coffee and delicious bakery items, courtesy McDonald's. Head to TSN 1150.ca now. Register your team for the chance to win a surprise visit from the TSN 1150 Game Crashers. That would be nice. Yes, it would. It'd be a fantastic turn of events for your Saturday morning if you woke up. You're like, oh, really? I have to get out of bed. And, and delicious bakery <laughs> items. And then they show up all warm and steamy, fresh that, baked. While we're on this, you know, we have at headquarters a certain company's coffee and donuts. And we also have one right over here in the parking lot. Are they well known? Yes, they are. Everybody knows who it is. And so I go over to the one over here and get the same thing as I got in Toronto, and there's six cents difference. Whoa. And the same thing used to happen at McDonald's. Sorry, I have to say that because I would go in Toronto uh, on the way to the golf course, and it would be 10 cents more than the one here for the same thing. I, I don't get that. Maybe gas tax from from I, where they produce it? No idea. You know, these are chains, and, and you know, it, we're talking about cents here, but there shouldn't be any difference, should there? The only thing I can think of is travel, because I bought a 12-pack of beer when I was out in uh, Regina, and it was like $24, and it was not a, an expensive beer. Apparently, Quebec is the place to go for that. <laughs> I've heard that. Apparently. Might, might, might make a trip during the Red Blacks game when we play out there. Apparently. <laughs> Apparently, Hull Gatineau is very inexpensive. It's just, I don't get, you know, I'm, we're talking about cents, right? But yeah. over the course of a day, it's not cents, it's dollars. And over the course of a week, oh, it's, know. you know, it's, it's it crazy. Up. It does it's, add it's up. Cra- I, I just don't, I don't understand that. Also, but. next time you're in Quebec, uh, there's, you know, those like tall boys? Yeah. You can get this. Like, like they used to be quart bottles, right? Oh, is that what they were called? Uh, well, we used to have quart bottles oh, of beer okay. yeah, way back in the, in the day. All yeah. right. Uh, they have this thing in Quebec that's only sold in Quebec that I believe is made by Seagram Ciders, who are, of course, partners with the Hamilton Tiger Cats, that is called Mojo Sangria. And it's sangria that has like red wine in it, but it also has uh, Jägermeister, which is like 35% or whatever. And they put it in Tall Boys. And I remember coming back from the Montreal game that we had earlier this year. I saw one of them in, in the uh, convenience stores because it's just like the states there. And I just Googled it when I got home and I'm like, that sounds amazing. I've never had it before. And it made me wonder, like, what? why wouldn't you just offer that at all games around the country? Because yeah. if it's Seagram's well, partnered with some CFL So how, how big is a tall boy? Uh, court, let me court. let me bring in my tall boy expert. He's sitting to my left, Louis B. Louis, how, Louis, how, how many milliliters? Uh, <laughs> jumped right in. I love it. I Louis, four seventy three. Yeah, it sounds so, right. So, what would a court be? This is an old, old imperial measurement metric guy. Yeah, um, Can we, is there a conversion chart somewhere? Yeah, we'll we'll find it here. Because they used to have these big. I mean, wow, quart so bottles. So it's half a quart. It's half a quart. Oh, yeah. so you used to drink quart bottles. Oh, they. So you a know. tall boy, a tall boy, which is uh, yeah. four seventy three. Uh, it's 0.499 quarts, so a quart would be double that. So wow. it's like 900 milliliters to a liter? I mean, you wouldn't see, a quart you wouldn't see the quart bottle too often, but every once in a while you'd see it and go, wow, look at the size of that So thing. a quart is uh, a quarter of a gallon. Yes, guy. That's that why. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what you said? I didn't, I yeah, didn't. Well, that's what a quart is. Oh, jeez. Oh, quart. like quarter. I get it. Uh, see? Yeah. I'm going to turn that. Anyways. You hit me with a mic four? Quart. And I know it's late, but comedic timing isn't great today, but... There it is. There he is. I think I could be wrong on that, but it was a quart bottle of beer. Huh, that's it was just—it was like somebody took a bottle of beer and went, stretched it. Uh, why do soccer players wear gloves when it's chilly out? No I, idea. I, I, don't, I don't know why that bothers me, but it does. You never have to use your hands. It wouldn't matter if they fell off. Why does it care if it's twelve degrees and you're slightly chilly? 
Wow, you just you know you're a football guy. You're just <laughs> I just used to playing and everything. Well, and well I'm I mean, listen. I'm a guy who wore Under Armour and cold gear and would you know rock the hand warmer with seven heat patches inside my hand warmer and all of that. But I use my hands every play. If I couldn't feel them, there was an issue there. I wouldn't be able to get a snap or hand the ball off or throw. I don't understand. We're watching a soccer game right now in front of us. Is it Tottenham against CSK? I don't know. Uh, but they're on in front of oh, us yeah. and like a bunch of guys have these like major Michelin man black gloves on. It's Must weird. be cold. I don't, yeah. But how cold could it possibly be? There's so, green so, grass. So there's your, but there's your, there's your visual dude in shorts with gloves on. <laughs> yeah. It's like, what was the worst game you ever played in terms of weather conditions? Oh, the worst. Great question. Uh, see now you, you don't have the answers. So I do. So when, when you're asking a guest a question and they say great questions because they're searching for the answer. Well, no, it's a great question because there are about three options I can pick from here and I don't want to tell you three stories. So I'm trying to pick the best one. Oh, um, doing a little editing. Yeah. So I will say, you know what? I'll go all the way back to high school because high school football is before you have all the accoutrement of hand warmer and warm clothing and the Spartan yeah, conditions. You, you look like an idiot. There's the field. Here's your equipment. Get you, out there. You're wearing a hoodie underneath your pads, yeah. right? And you can pull it up over your helmet if you want to yeah. stay warm and all that. So uh, there was a game in high school that was played Frontenac secondary at LaSalle secondary. Uh, and when we were driving over, it was just a day like today where it's kind of cloudy and, and dark skies look like it might rain a little bit. We got there and it rained slash snowed slush out of the air. And I remember there were four guys uh, <laughs> Calvin Clark, Anthony Nikolovsky, Matt Baker, and Tyler Jones. I remember them distinctly because they left the game without telling the coaches. <laughs> it was too cold. They couldn't deal with it. So really? they, they ran inside the high school because we were playing on the road. They'd never even been inside this high school. I'm, I'm playing quarterback at the time in grade 10, and I'm about to leave the sideline and go into the game. And as I'm about to run on the field, I look to my left, and I see four guys in my uniform sprinting inside the high school that <laughs> we were playing at. Wow. Guys, come back. I need an offensive line. <laughs> Do it yourself. <laughs> so that's probably the worst. It was it was very, very cold. The 2011 UTech Bowl uh, for McMaster playing against Acadia in Moncton. That was close. Like Moncton that night was probably negative 15 and a bad, bad wind. So how could you even throw the ball when it's uh, like that? Like I say, they do an amazing... It's amazing how much... Football equipment has changed to allow you to play in any elements. And there are still exceptions to that. Like, there's unbearable conditions. But what used to be unbearable now is, oh, I'm kind of cold, right? Like, I, I played in a game, uh, I want to say it was high school again, grade 12, at Minto Sportsplex in Ottawa uh, against the St. Peter's Knights. And it was negative 20-something with a bad wind. And this field's just cut out of the side of the woods. So you're right in the middle of everything. It's wide open. And I wore, I, I remember it because I'd never worn so much clothing in my life. I must have looked like I was just jacked out of my mind. Uh, the but, Michelin man. Yeah, actually, though. So I, I actually put one hand warmer inside the other hand warmer, taped heat patches to the inside of both of them. So it was like a heater sitting right at the bottom of my stomach. Uh, then I also put, you know, two layers of, of the cold gear type stuff and eight layers of long sleeve, whether it was cotton or spandex or otherwise, underneath all of that. And I was still chilly. But we played the game, and it was fine. That game in Moncton, though, there were guys who were burning their cleats, I remember, on the on the heat machine. <laughs> the thing that sh- It's literally just a massive heater that shoots flame and hot air out of it through a metal tunnel towards you. And it's great if you want to warm up you know, your hamstrings or you want to warm up your hands. You just put it nearby. But your feet were so cold, even though you were wearing like thermal socks inside of your cleats, 
that guys were sticking their feet close to the fire and the and the tip of the Nike cleats we wore in 2011 for McMaster, uh, they were very plastic based. Yeah. And, and there were guys by the end of the game who their toes were sticking out of their cleats because they spent so much time trying to warm up their cleats that they had melted the plastic and their toes had jammed through. High from the plastic fumes. Unbelievable. It's uh, seven degrees in Moscow, which is where they're playing this. And with the wind, it's four degrees. They're going to want to bring a coat. So that's why. Uh, it's cold in Moscow. Don't know if you've been there before. Four degrees. So I think you can give them a pass for wearing gloves. Four degrees Celsius? Yeah. It was nine degrees Celsius this morning when I took my dog for a walk in a t-shirt and shorts. So I'll tell you one thing. Though, it's that temperature. <laughs> I'm not standing around watching. I'm running. I'm in yeah. constant motion. Here, let me chase that for you. 